And we're back here at 97X, the future of rock and roll. Uh, we heard from Bel Canto and also that great band, the Rembrandts, that has a huge future ahead of them. I can definitely tell that. Uh, don't forget, coming up uh, Sunday morning, the number one rated show, 97 Extra Edition. It'll be happening, I believe, at 7.30 and rebroadcast again at 8.30 on Sunday morning. And I believe Rick Tile will be uh, um, interviewing Dave, Dave. a bagpipe. Dave. Yeah? No, you're doing it again. You're having another flashback yeah. to your 97X days. You and I both worked at 97X, yeah. a small, independent kind of alternative music station yeah. in Oxford, Ohio. Modern Rock for Cincinnati and Dayton. Well, 863-565-5234-114. Yeah. But no, we're in the party dungeon now. We're okay. in my basement. Mm -hmm. It's just you and me and a microphone. Uh -huh. And we're talking about the good old days. So we're not live on WXY.com? No, but no. you seem to have this special talent when you talk about, like you talked about Julie Maxwell, and she appeared. Now you just talked about Rick Tile. Well, before we bring Rick Tile on, he will appear. I do have to uh, mention this. He's got a sponsor. He's the only person to call into our podcast to have a sponsor. Why am I not surprised? Uh, Rick Tile is brought to you by Mesh. Mesh it is just <laughs> not for switch hitters anymore. Look for Mesh's back-to-school gear at the Oxford Kroger Salem. <laughs> You're really sponsored by Mesh now? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, it was a big deal. Um, six figures, so I had to sign. Plus, you know, I was always wearing it. That and Speedo. And Speedo still uh, sends me, you know, plenty of free outfits, let's call them. So. Six, six figures is uh, about like what we used to get at 97X. Unfortunately, two of those figures were behind the decimal point. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. Except... Of course, the iTeam news budget, which was seven figures. You know what? Yep. You, you, okay, let's see. you got Mesh as a sponsor, the Speedo as the sponsor. Right. Um, sometimes you don't wear pants as the Dirty Mare, which we'll get to here in a second. And, right. and if I remember, yeah. you were the spokesman for the business tard. Half business suit, half unitard. You must, yeah. must be hell for you to move for closet space. Well, that and the boxer thong, of course, you know, all the comfort of a boxer up front, all the party of a thong out back. So, yeah, if you uh, dress properly, you'll, you'll find that uh, people will just throw cash at you to pitch their product, which I've always uh, been able to do. I wow. sell out, is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you deliver the goods. You've never let Speedo <laughs> down once. That's correct. Rick Tile, we do want to get serious for about two minutes before we get back to, to Mesh and Speedos and the business, business tard or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. If you could just tell us when you started at 97X and how long you were there and the different roles you had. So I started, I think, in the fall of 91. I was an intern with Dave and Julie. And as a matter of fact, they called me Uncle Rick to start with. I would read a trivia question every day. And then a big uh, career change happened. Uh, Dave got sick one day, and uh, Julie was afraid to kind of be on by herself, so she said, you've got to go over uh, in the other studio and talk to me uh, all morning. And so I did, and we got through that first day, and Dave was sick for two weeks. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a true story. So I kind of wally-pipped him. Um, I became the third member of the Breakfast Club, after that, and then uh, eventually Dave, uh, the Rubin Kincaid of Modern Rock, was moved to the afternoons, 
And so it was Julie and I on in the mornings, and I was on for the next, gosh, eight years. So. And then they bounced me I, back to mornings because I was with you in the yeah. mornings. Yeah, I destroyed the um, the <laughs> upcoming careers of several of you, um, Julie Maxwell, Dave, Damien, you, and then uh, last but not least, Kevin Couchet. Yeah. You brought up the I-Team. The, the I-Team had a news bubble. Uh, I do remember the genesis of the I-Team. I believe mm-hmm. Doug and Linda Baylog, um, who, by the way, get a large stipend from us for this podcast, for the 12 <laughs> listeners we have. <laughs> Rick, can you slide some of your endorsement cash their way? Yeah, they... yeah sure. <laughs> I've got a lot to spread around. Uh, yeah, the news bubble was quite a, um, an active uh, mm-hmm. parlor of... Uh, not investigation. We were the I team, and that was A Y E. Really, because I had everybody address me, uh, I I Captain. <laughs> yes, that's um, right. We never wanted anyone to think that we were the I, yeah. like the letter uh, for investigation team, because that really wasn't our our deal. Um, but down in the bubble, you know, we had everything going on: billiards, gaming, trapeze camp. We yeah. had, you know, massages, facials, scalp massage, mini manis, petties. You know, Damien stopped by quite often. Loved the scalp massage. I like to treat um, myself. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I don't know why you never availed yourself to any of, uh, of what we had going on down there. But, you know, what we were doing in the 90s was pretty much uh, ahead of its time, merging news and entertainment. And then we had to find sources of funding. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, you know, we had uh, Wankman and LaBeouf. Um, I'm sorry, Skip Wankman and yeah. Bill LaBeouf. Mm-hmm run the numbers uh, end of things you know we yeah. had adult like videos yes that's, i remember uh, that they were vhs yeah, my, and on laser disc if i remember laser disc was was ready to take off yeah it was um, yeah we had money recycling but we didn't call it um laundering back then and it was you know just this side of legal what we did down there and so uh you know, every day we were able to bring the news to uh, the tri-state area i mean if you we're lucky enough to, to actually hear the station in the trust. Um, and we, yeah, and then we also paid for Bill LaBeouf and the Bold Vikings, which was Dave's uh, sports orchestra, later <laughs> to be known as Bill LaBeouf and Spasm. Yes, later be, to be known as Bill LaBeouf and the Bold Vikings again. And so, hi there, this is Kathy from the Go Go's, and we love waking up with Rick and Dave on the Breakfast Club, except they keep taking all the blankets. In a special random I Team News poll. Uh, the results were 50-50 between uh, listeners who thought we should have more news about the Bosnia peace talks, the peace talks that being held in Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and those who thought that we shouldn't uh, be mindless lemmings and fall in line with all other news organizations that are leading every newscast saying, live from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Okay. But to appease that one guy who does want more stuff, thank you. Uh, here is Craig, I-Team News Correspondent. Craig? Craig. I understand you've been able to uh, breach security and you made your way onto the uh, grounds of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Oh, absolutely. Uh, have the identification, proper ID, get on, and uh, full access to the, the Air Force Base. Full. And uh, what part of the Air Force Base did you uh, go to yesterday? Uh, Section B. It was over in the uh, Fairborn side. As in Boyd. Uh-huh. Anywhere in, in particular in Section B? Uh, exactly where they're uh, negotiating the peace? Or? Well, y- uh, actually, they were at lunch when I got there yesterday, uh-huh. so I wasn't able to get into any of the uh, negotiations or anything. But They were uh, at lunch when you got there. Do you have I-Team experience? Because you sure sound like <laughs> it. <laughs> well, absolutely. Uh, I'm definitely a 
field diplomatic reporter for quite some time now. What were you able to ascertain? Maybe how many cigarettes they smoked uh, while they were negotiating in the morning or anything of that nature? Um, well, actually, I spent most of my time hanging out at the pet store there on base, and uh, none of them have dogs or anything, so uh, I really didn't find out much information about them. Hi, this is Robbie from the Goo Goo Dolls. You're listening to 97X, the future of rock and roll. And when we're in Cincinnati, we like to listen to that breakfast club because Ellie Sheedy, she's all right. Well, as a matter of fact, I did a, a search of some of the old IT members that see how they're doing. I, I got a rundown yep. um, w- when I did the white pages on, on, on the Internet. Uh, yep. Lance Chinman, remember him? Yep, Chinman, yep. Yeah, last seen in an Indonesian prison. Um, Connie Consuelo, remember Connie? We got him out. We got him out. Oh, you got him out? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I need to update his, uh, his whereabouts. Uh, I did see well, on, on LinkedIn... Uh, Connie Consuelo was uh, seen in Cincinnati working as a farm laborer for uh, former right. 97X intern Mighty Joe Sampson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was that was a weird yep. career update on LinkedIn. Um, yep. Shecky was last seen in Tibet meditating with Bert Convey. Yeah, he'll never be seen again. But the the big deal is, <laughs> well, big deal is famed band leader Bill LaBeouf you just mentioned yep. was just yep. announced as the coveted Monday headliner slot at Bonnaroo this year. Yeah, that's right. We we pulled some strings for him. Now you know he has his own chocolate shop. Uh, I don't know if you were aware of that. No. He's the guy who pioneered those chocolate covered meat snacks. Um, you know oh, the name LaBeouf means the beef, and yeah. so he just followed his muse right there, and so. Um, and if you can have me on several times and I could mention his chocolate shop, I will be getting plenty of uh, chocolate-covered meat snacks sent my way. So please feel free to ask me back anytime so I can mention Bill LaBeouf's chocolate shop, home of the chocolate-covered meat snacks. Mm. Uh, you did mention I am the dirty mayor. Um, mm. So uh, that's one thing that I do now is uh, I am the mayor of Fort Ethan Allen, Vermont. And... Uh, I have a hard cider named after me called the Dirty Mayor, and it really is indicative of my style of uh, mayoral uh, reign. You know, it'd be great if you sent a sample six-pack our way. We're still waiting. Oh, that I can do. Do you need the address of the party dungeon? Uh, No, my people know where it is. (laughs) So throw in some of those chocolate-covered meat snacks from Bill LaBeouf as well. (laughs) Be happy to share Uh, speaking of meat snacks, can you tell people uh, what you've been up to lately besides being the Dirty Mayor? Because, you know, six of our 12 listeners want to know. Yeah. Um, so after I left uh, 97X, I went back to Miami, Florida, uh, back into the ad business, and took a uh, job uh, there in account services and then copywriting moved that up to vermont with me and uh did the morning show at wncs in montpelier uh working for the former mark miller who uh spent a year at 97x he was up here in in vermont so he brought me up i did the morning show there and then i've been at vermont public radio for the last 11 years um as a producer of a news program. And I also host a show called the VPR Cafe, uh, where I talk about food. Yes. And so, yeah, right. it's just a natural fit. Do you, do you have an NPR voice? Like, do you make it more soothing and say, this is Rick Tile? 
today we're going to. I don't. I actually try to be as atonal as I possibly can. Ninety-seven X. The future of rock and roll. Now, did your uh, years of work on ninety-seven extra edition? Uh, did that those years of experience get you ready for the world? I'm sure uh, that, world I'm of sure that radio? closed a lot of doors for me, but um, nonetheless, I've I've uh, soldiered on. Uh, you did mention the infamous uh, bagpipe episode. Yes. Um, so, ninety-seven extra. What was it called? Extra edition. Oh, you remember? A, you had all the T-shirts. Uh, community service program that Public aired on affairs. Sunday mornings, yeah. and I would search hither and yon for uh, really quality programming to lead into the church service that we aired live on Sunday mornings. <laughs> That's right. And uh, yeah, and so one time around St. Patrick's Day, I decided uh, to to find this um, uh, <clears throat> this Oxford Oxfordian uh, bagpiper and brought him in for an interview and then had him play and had him in the far corner of our little production studio and uh, he just about <laughs> blew out the uh, speakers um, playing that, that bagpipe which resonated throughout the entire station. Um, after it aired, I was asked to <laughs> never <laughs> to have a bagpiper on again. So. <laughs> oh, oh, it was more than just that. It was like, uh, do you remember what this show's about? <laughs> Is that really community service? Let's just was... say uh, I had a very loose definition of uh, what community service was mm-hmm. when I... Uh, when I put that show together. Yeah, because we, we talked to Julie Maxwell also, and, and she mentioned the same thing, that you know when she did the news, I mean, Oxford in many ways is a very sleepy little town. So sometimes, yeah, you had to grasp for that bagpipe straw just to have some content. You had to grasp for it. That's what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm justified. <laughs> I think I was justified in having that bagpiper on that day. We're not going to, you're welcome, anytime you want to send a bagpiper to the party dungeon, we will welcome them with open arms. Excellent, good. Uh, I'll round up a few. And and Rick, you actually, because you mentioned you started at 97X as an intern, but you you had a a career before that. What made you decide to to get into radio? Uh, So, yeah, I was at that ad agency before and after I worked at uh, 97X and so I already had you know I had gone to college got a degree got a master's I was working for this ad agency and uh, throughout the time I was there I'd be on the phone uh, with people and people would always say oh my god you should be in radio Uh, you have a great voice and I had no idea like I thought oh yeah this is fabulous I'd love to do it but I had no idea how you could get into radio without being in radio or having done it at some point in your life. And so I decided to chuck it all, <laughs> all that I had, and uh, go to the, uh, I guess it was called the Ohio Center for Broadcasting, and uh, try to become a DJ. And so uh, during that, I became Dave and Julie's intern, and the rest was history then. Do you ever look back and say, geez, you know, maybe I should have just stayed in, you were in Miami, Florida, 
work again in an ad yep. agency. Like you were living the life, but yet something called you into to 97X, to radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I've questioned the decisions I've made in my, in my life many times. Um, but hey, I'm too deep into it now, so <laughs> there's no turning back. <laughs> Uh, one other thing you, just you mentioned. You've got to write it off. Maybe in the next life I'll get it right. So. <laughs> Same. You mentioned uh, college. <laughs> Went to the University of Dayton. You were a flyer. Yeah. Uh, during yep. that time period, you looked a lot like Lionel Richie. Uh, I do remember I did, seeing yeah. photos of that. Uh, but you did something special at University of Dayton, and some people didn't know about this. Can you explain what you did? I think you're referring to something I'm very proud of and yes. something my mother still winces out at. I was the um, three-time and undefeated ugliest man on campus. <laughs> that um, is true. And <laughs> so my freshman year, uh, Sorority is having a contest to raise money, and uh, unbeknownst to me, um, and two of the guys who lived on my floor at the dorm come running in and say, we signed you up, we, sa- we said you'd do it. I'm like, what ugliest man on campus <laughs> well thank you uh but they explained that there was a trophy and a keg of beer um at stake and so uh i was in all in and uh you know retired undefeated as uh, ud's ugliest man on campus uh that was my first three years then yeah, as dave mentioned my senior year um they actually got a big head to put over my face so no one would, could absolutely see it, and I became uh, UD's first mascot. I was the first Rudy. So the, the original first Rudy flyer, the, the original. original, yeah, Rudy, the original, yeah. And, and there was one time I remember I loved your story about there was a mishap, something in the costume was coming apart, so they had to try and fix it. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, the company that created it was down in Cincinnati. And at one point, um, the powers that be decided that they would uh, change up a little bit of the accoutrements on the head, and they sent it down uh, in between games, and it got back right before a game, a basketball game, and they had used airplane glue to affix um, the new pieces onto the head, and there was very little ventilation inside this head, and so... Uh, that evening, um, the head reeking of airplane glue placed atop uh, my head. I would say that, uh, well, it probably did some permanent damage. Um, <laughs> yeah. And explains a lot of the, mm-hmm. the decisions I have made in my life. Um, now, after the game, we would take the costume and it would go up into the ticket office at UD Arena. And the... Uh, it would go into a closet. The next day, the people who worked in that office uh, came in and could not work in their office at all uh, because of the airplane glue fumes. They had to put the head outside uh, UD Arena. They had to uh, run fans to get the fumes out of the ticket office. And this and, was uh, a day after you had it on your head. A day after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think that explains some things right there. The show must go on. We we admire your dedication to being a Rudy Flyer. <laughs> Did the Flyers win that game? You have no <laughs> recollection. The wrong cat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you got to remember, I have you're you're wearing shoes that are like size twenty twos, right? And so, um, 
you know, at the best of times, you got to remember to kind of kick out every time you take a step. Um, when you're high on airplane glue fumes, <laughs> that's not really going to happen very often. So I was stumbling around the court that night, no doubt. I don't like the morning time unless the radio's on. Hi, this is John. And John. Of They Might Be Giants. And you're listening to 97X, The Breakfast Club. When you were at the OCB, Ohio Center for Broadcasting, you were down with OCB. Yep. Yeah, you know me. Yeah. Did you get to pick where you'd intern? Like, you seemed to like that music that 97X played anyhow. So did you say, ooh, I, I-, I want to work at 97X? Well, so I didn't really know the stations in the area. And uh, I went to see a friend who I went to college with, uh, Mary Krutko, now Mary Massa. And she was working in TV in Cincinnati and uh, was introducing me to people in radio and then said, you know what, though? Uh, Slovak is what she called me. That was my nickname in college. Um, It's my nationality. And she said, I think you'd be right at this station. I just interviewed the owner up in Oxford. And so she put me in touch with 97X, and Dave and Julie were looking for an intern. I came up and interviewed with them and, and Phil Manning. I wore a tie, um, and Phil asked me if I could wear a tie to work every day. Um, and so Julie said, oh, like the seersucker suit you wore for your, your interview. Um, but the toughest question in the whole uh, interview was Julie Maxwell asking me to describe my sense of humor. I had no answer for that at all. So, um, but I got the gig anyway. Did it th- throw and, you off uh, that I was shirtless during the interview at all? <laughs> it's a little hazy right now. Yeah. Remember the, uh, sometimes I, I miss things because of the, um, oh, airplane hair, right, incident. Um, now the one thing you should know too, about my early days there, uh, when I made the jump from um, intern to quote-unquote employee, um, and I was on full-time on the morning show with Dave and Julie now, uh, I had to earn my keep by becoming the receptionist at the front desk as well. So um, I would get there at whatever time in the morning, 4.30 maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, then we'd work till... Were we on until 10, I think? Yes. Yeah. And then then we would plan the next day's show, and then I'd have to go out and answer phones and sign for UPS packages and things out front for a while. So, um, yeah. Doug and be... Linda, always fans of multitasking. Mm-hmm. They felt it broadened <laughs> right. your experience at the station. Um, I, I should have just had this, the uh, calls forwarded into the studio so that... Uh, I could be on with Dave and Julie and then answer phone, you know, the phones. Up. That would be a great idea. And, oh, and, man. And Rick I'm going to go pop some of that on here. We actually <laughs> just got an email from uh, Doug and Linda. at uh, They emailed us at 97xwoxy at gmail.com. And they said, you weren't the receptionist. You were the vice president of first impressions. <laughs> Uh, oh, well, so my pay should have reflected the vice presidential status that I had then. <laughs> and it did, sadly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, we have to get back to it. We have coming up the Concert Keeper. Uh, you'll be able to wear, oh, yeah. win a pair of tickets to see Bel Canto live at Bogart's. Dave, Dave, yeah. 
No, it's not. It's not. And don't you ever mention Bel Canto in front of Rick Tile and me ever again. Bad juju. The future of rock and roll. Hey, boss, monster, hey, boss, hit me! Hit me! Hit me! 97X.